I can always aspire for greatness and success, but I've, I've found in my experience working for a cabinet minister that you can be very impactful without having prime in your title. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Ways. My name is Mohammed. My name is Mohammed as well. <laughs> Just joking. My name is Osama. <laughs> and we are the Ways Podcast. Today we have a special episode. The reason why is because most of the people you interview, they're already established in their field as far as what they do. But it's always cool when you get to see someone on the come up as far as their goals, their aspirations, and as far as things they can innovate and help as far as society. And not only do we have a person that's very interested in what he's doing, but he's putting in the work, he loves the field, and he's all about that knowledge, that really intricate knowledge and how to change society one day at a time. And it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, as long as you're interested, you're willing to learn, the result will always be beneficial for those who are willing to learn. And I'm so happy, I'm so ecstatic for you guys to hear the words, to hear the advice, to hear the initiatives that's going to be given by our guest today, Ehab James. I know him because he's a student at UTM, and the reason why he's here is because he's actually running for one of the seats for a campus council um, for the UTM. And I'm very excited. Ehab, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, and thank you so much for having me on. No problem. Uh, before we get started, feel free to share everyone as far as your social media, where they can follow you, as far as advice, and also more content. Yes, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, E-H-A-B-J-A-M-E-S, that's my full name, or on Instagram at Ehab underscore James. Now, my first, rec- <laughs> my first question to you is, What's your background? Because since I've known you, <laughs> I did not know whether you're you're Arab or you're black. Like you have a very unique look and everything. Your name, like, what is your background? I really want to know. So I'm very very mixed, and I did a couple months back do an ancestry test. I am black, white, and brown. Uh, on my dad's side, I have Jamaican and Nigerian roots, uh, Spanish and Scottish roots. On my mom's side, I am Pakistani and Northern Indian. That's incredible. <laughs> so wait, growing up then, as far as like people asking, like, where were you from? What would you say then? Uh, I would always say Pakistan. I, a lot of people, because of my name, uh, it's, it's an Egyptian name, so a lot of people would assume Egypt and wouldn't ask. Um, some people would assume that I was somewhere, from, from somewhere in the Caribbean. Um, and... Uh, no, I, I would roll with Pakistani mostly. Um, that's mostly the culture I was raised with, and my mom was very big on getting me into uh, all the food, all of the the life, the socializing that way. So, No, that's incredible, because I always thought you were Egyptian the first time I met you and everything. <laughs> and then after a while, I'm like, where's this guy from? Because such a unique background and everything, but that's a cool mix. And uh, before we get into why you're running as far as that, I want to talk to you about your upbringing. Where did you grow up for a Tell the people you grew up first. So I've uh, grown up here in Mississauga. I've lived here all of my life, and uh, the same home I'm in has been home for me since the age of three. Um, I also, though, I spend a lot of time in the summer times in Loudoun County, Virginia, and I think this is super important as far as uh, how I socialize with uh, people and families. It's two very different cultures. Loudoun County is the richest country in the whole of the United States. Mississauga is one of the ex- most expensive places to live in all of North America. Uh, two strikingly different places with very different people. 
um, I've, I've, I've met a lot of people and I'm very fortunate to have, uh, really been brought up by many different communities. Uh, as I say, it takes a village to raise a child and I'm, I was fortunate enough to have two. And I want you to speak to that diversity, the fact that your upbringing, as far as here being Mississauga and obviously you going to Virginia, most people would obviously have a perception or closed mindedness about one or the other. Canadians might think this about Americans. Americans might think about that, about Canadians. You being in both places all the time, what do you see as far as the similarities between both places and also the differences that most people might not know and that could actually break their perceptions and clouded judgments? We as Canadians seem to have a an unfair perception that we are holier than thou, really for lack of a better term. Um, I'll maintain that Canadians are very nice people and I'm very proud of who we are. We definitely have a national identity that's um, uh, better than many. That doesn't mean that it's necessarily accurate. There are nice people on both sides of the border. And uh, I think a lot of us may forget this at times, but um, kindness is uh, kindness can be universal. It doesn't stop at a border or stop with the country. It's it's the people you're around and um, uh, those who you choose to spend your time with. And I love how you said that the borders doesn't define who we are. And obviously throughout history, as we know, different parts of the world, as far as the Middle East, Africa, once borders came into place and obviously people were separated, this whole cultural diversity, not actually cultural diversity, cultural separatism just took off for its own, right? And because of that, people do not want to unite. People live under a banner that's conflicting more than uniting, right? And it's, it's amazing how borders can really separate people, families and generations that are once living in harmony for such a long time. What do you think about that, Osama? You, it's funny that, that you, you mentioned that because the, one of the first episodes that we did, which obviously never came out, was you mentioning that point is how you were saying that I'm Palestinian, you're from Ghana, and our old uh, friend, not like our old friend, still our friend, but like who's part of the show is from Pakistan. And I remember like the thing that's, all, and like we're all Muslim, we all come from a different background, but at the end of the day we're still human beings. A lot of people like to differentiate between, oh, because I'm Palestinian and you're a Ghanaian, oh, we can't chill because oh, you're a black or I'm like brown. At the end of the day, I don't like, you're always going to find some relation between people. Like a lot of my friends aren't even Middle Eastern. A lot of my friends happen not to be Middle Eastern. It's because when I talk to people, I don't I don't focus on and also being raised in Canada, Toronto, one of the most diverse multicultural cities, you get to talk to certain people and get to know their stories. Once you start connect once you start connecting to people's stories, you're able to find a connection. It's like, oh, this person is like uh this person's a Middle Eastern watches hockey. No way. Well, it's because Canada does that. Oh, you're a Middle Eastern, you watch uh, basketball because or you're listening to rap. There's so many different um, ways we're able to find a connection. I think, honestly, the border thing is more so to uh, keep us distant from each other. When in reality, before thousands, thousands of years ago, we were going to like we, we were we were trading, we were exporting goods, importing goods, helping each other, helping our neighbors. So obviously, the hope is to get back to that point. But my point is, I don't think there's no such thing as borders. I think at the end of the day, you're always going to find a connection between someone who even isn't your religion, nor is he your ethnic background. So yeah, that's what I can say about that. And obviously, Ehab, the fact that you're running for one of the seats for campus council at UTM, what made you want to take that step? Did you always have a vision from the time that you're young that I want to be involved as far as helping the community, helping students, helping anyone in need? And I feel as if 
I'm not the only person for it, but I'm willing to sacrifice listening to those and actually put the work in. What made you want to do that? Because most people might say things. Actually, you know what? Let me prep. A lot of people say things, but don't want to put in the work. But obviously to take that step in that initiative comes with a lot of sacrifice. So what made you want to take that role? This has always been, uh, don't want to say something I've wrestled with because it's never taken a lot of thought, but there, sometimes things just need to be done and it would be unfair and unreasonable to sit by when you have the power to make that change to not do anything about it. From 2017 to now, I've volunteered over 1,400 hours just in Mississauga alone for different um, organizations. Most of those um, uh, being uh, charities or uh, not-for-profits like the YMCA. People may have expectations that uh, positive change will come. And the unfortunate truth is a lot of people just aren't willing to do anything to make that happen. Even if you look now, there are uh, entire seats on this council and different committees that no one applied for. There's There are two part-time seats that are supposed to be there. Not a single person applied. Had a single part-time or two part-time people apply, they would have gotten automatically without election. No one's interested. But these there are over 15,000 people on campus that this would impact. In fact, there's 15,000 undergrad, uh, full-time undergraduates at UTM alone that would be able to vote in this, but only seven are running, right? It's unfortunate that it's the case where we see and we complain about these things. There are policies, problems with campus life. Um, we, everyone complains about tuition, right? It's, it's, it's not like... That is so universal, and these problems are so universal for every single student, yet so few are willing to step up and even fewer are willing to take a moment to understand what the role is and how they can make an impact. In my background working in government, I've been working uh, for different governments since the age of 17. Um, I know that it takes a lot of work to put in. I've seen what bad politicians can do, and I've seen the impact that good politicians can have. And um, some of them will go far beyond the bounds of their job description to make sure that issues that they see and identify are resolved, or at least they take steps toward doing that. And so long as it's the case that no one like that is running or is on a board position like this, we'll continue to complain about issues and we'll never have the representation for those bodies that govern us to fix that. So I wanted to change it. I have a question for you. Um, obviously, you're running for uh, UTM council, right? Now, the biggest thing is connecting with people. So you want people to vote for you. You obviously have like, you know, your own agenda. You want to create change. The biggest thing is a lot of a lot of these students don't even like sometimes they don't even bother voting. So what are you trying to do? Like, what are some things that that you're trying to change that you realize in the past things that have not like past like years haven't been changed or things you've like been around you like this is not how it should be done the people need to be listened to what are you going to do within the first 100 days like if, if someone if, if there's 50 people from utm listening to this right now what is ehab going to do to ensure that their the people are going to be heard so the governing council is responsible for making a lot of important decisions that uh, ultimately fall down to the university and um the position i'm running for does not immediately advise on these things. However, there are options for uh, campus counselors. Um, 
although I don't I don't know what the official title is. We'll just roll with that for now. Uh, there are options for um, campus counselors to get involved with the process for creating these policies. What happens on these councils and would have happened on councils, which anyone can go back um, through the governing council notes for the campus council and see what the meeting minutes were and how people voted and whatnot. It's a lot of the times it's the case that these policies are made and it crosses the desk of these students and they rubber stamp it. They approve something that's been decided and they had no input in it whatsoever. In that first hundred days, I can commit to getting up, finding who it is in the governing council is responsible for uh, any range of decisions that are covering our most pressing issues on campus and starting to have conversations with them to better shape these policies rather than finding ourselves in another situation where policies are rubber stamped again by a council of students, staff, and admin who uh, don't care for the position or uh, would rather use this as a stamp on their resume, say. Why is it so important to you to be in this power position? Because usually a lot of, like I could tell you, with obviously, you know, we all know, we all know the quote, power comes responsibility. So for you, you're a young man. You, you obviously have a great extent of experience. You know, you touched on a lot of like things working with the government, other nonprofit organizations. Why is it so important for you to like actually take part of this position? What is it you see within yourself that allows you to like say, you know what, it's gonna be a long journey, but I want to continue this journey. It's the power of persistence, really. It's very easy to start something and quit halfway through. I've never done that. I don't, well, I can't say I've never have, but I, I don't make it routine habit. When I start something, I can commit to it. And we need that on the council. We need someone who's going to get up and say, this isn't in my job description, I'm going to do it anyway. Or this is a problem that I'm empowered to solve, but it's not strictly mine to do, but I'm going to get up and do something about it. No one can promise the change that they're campaigning on necessarily, right? It's, it's you're one of 50 people on a campus council reporting to an executive committee who then reports to the governing council. That is very difficult to do. But to get up and say, I'm going to have those conversations. I'm going to use the unique opportunity to meet people who make these decisions and try to influence that to bring a positive change. That's that's what's necessary. And it's persistence in doing that. As far as doing this, because it's one thing to do it, like we talked about, you have the vision, you have the goal, you're willing to put in the work. But at the same time, you must have courage, right? Because if without that, it's fear. And for most people, they don't want to take these steps or initiative, run for council, or even vote because they fear of judgment from other people, the community and different groups in society. So for you to do this, and obviously for you to be part of the government working since you're the age of 17, do you have any fear? What makes you feel so fearless when it comes to putting in the work, regardless of the criticism that might come your way from different people, whether friends, families, as far as don't do this, stay away from that? Like, What makes you so fearless when it comes to actually want to put in the work, despite the criticism that comes your way? Because I'm willing to talk to my constituents, and I don't, I shouldn't fear any decisions that I make, knowing that I've made those decisions with the concerns of my constituents in mind. If I'm making good decisions, I have nothing to be afraid of. And frankly, um, yes, there is a lot of fear in politics. And 
it's a very it can be a very divisive place maybe not definitely not to the same extent on a, a campus council at least i'd hope not i haven't experienced that yet <laughs> but um there's definitely a disconnect uh with uh people with the the amount of people getting involved but um hopefully that changes and hopefully there's there's something there that uh we're able to get more people to say hey these decisions impact me maybe i don't necessarily have the time or um, ability to research exactly uh, what it is this uh, council does, but I can trust. I can trust this guy. I can say I can go to my campus council, and um, I believe that when I have an issue, even if I'm not going to the right person, this person's going to at least route me to the right place or help me uh, determine how it is this issue can be resolved, or find the people and work to try and resolve that, even if this is not the right person. Um, there should be. There shouldn't be much uh, uh, fear in that. And you know what? Everyone's human and sometimes bad decisions will be made and no one should be afraid to hear from their constituents to say that a bad decision has been made or there's something to be corrected here or this proposal isn't good. That's not something to be feared. That's something to learn from. And so if those opportunities uh, were to scare me away from making any change, then this wouldn't be the position. To be honest with you, though, I think fear is really important in a couple ways. One, because I always say this, and I really believe this at my age, at least, fear can either like stop you from doing something, or it can take you out of your comfortability to do something. Now, obviously, the older you get, you're gonna realize like, cause, like the one, like I could see it. There's a lot of my friends right now who I hear them regretting stuff. Oh, I wish when I was like 20, I started doing stuff, right? But when you're younger, like. If you learn from older people, have these conversations with older people, you can learn from their mistakes. And then you'll be like eight steps ahead or eight years ahead of them. But to your point, I like how you said that you don't allow things to stop fear to stop you. Because a couple things. Fear, like like for example, let's use Justin Trudeau for an example. Recently he was in Hamilton, right? I'm not sure if you guys saw it on the news. And how a lot of like, people in Hamilton were upset with all the decisions he's been making pre-pandemic and obviously post-pandemic. Difference is, is that as a political leader, you're sometimes gonna make certain decisions, which can seem selfish, but it's for the better of the community. Long term, you'll, you'll, you can only find that out. And you have to be strong and firm. Yes, there's going to be a lot of backlash, but you cannot be scared of that backlash because there's a beautiful quote from um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. And he says, like, not going through pain is actually pain within itself, but going through pain, you're allowing yourself to learn. So if people actually go out of their way to be like, oh, man, this is too scary. Everything in life is going to be scary. It's always going to be that, like, moment of, like, starting a podcast, going to the um, council, becoming president. It's always going to be that change of fear but then once you overcome that fear is what's really important i like how you said that now it's a good thing you brought that point about trudeau because you met trudeau you met justin trudeau and not only did you meet him you had a picture with him and everything so my question was to you is number one how was it meeting him was it everything you imagined was it beyond your expectation or what you expected and number two obviously you're putting in the work and keep going and that vision that goal do you see yourself being in the same position as him one day as far as being the prime minister of Canada? So on uh, meeting the prime minister, one of my first times actually meeting him was uh, campaign 2019. I was still a high school student and it was in the Kenef building at UTM. He was doing a Q&A with students and it was um, my now colleagues. Back then I was uh, part of the... Um, Mississauga Center Youth Council under Omar Al-Capra. Um, we had the ability to ask the Prime Minister questions, and uh, that was one of the first times that I shook his hand. Um, since then, 
going through uh, the internship program I went through this summer and continuing with my job. I've had the fortune of uh, meeting with him virtually many times. Uh, but uh, taking that picture for sure, very surreal. <laughs> a lot of things happening that night, um, whether it be uh, sitting down and talking to Mississauga's mayor or, um, of course, meeting and getting to chat with the prime minister. It, it's, it's always exciting. And I'm, I'm very appreciative that uh, Mr. Trudeau took the time. It's um, definitely a unique opportunity. And whether or not I see myself there one day, time will tell. Uh, I can always aspire for um, greatness and success, but I've, I've found in my experience working for a cabinet minister that um, you can be very impactful without having prime in your title. <laughs> and um, whether or not that's where I see myself in the future, I'm not totally sure yet, to be honest. Um, I'm just running my first campaign now. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but... Uh, whether or not I have an interest in politics, I definitely do. That's why I'm here. <laughs> um, I hope that I'm in a position, say, 10 years from now, where I've created a reputation and a legacy for being impactful and important and um, making important and correct decisions that I may be trusted by Canadians to be in a unelected position at all. Yeah, it's amazing how you said that you can make an impact without having prime in your title. And that goes a long way. You could be anything in the world. You could be a local teacher. You could be a janitor. You could be a local mechanic. And the impact you can have on few people could really change the whole framework of that small community, right? And you don't know the influence that might have beyond that. But people think as if we have to be prime minister. We have to be CEO. We have to be that face in order to create change or even feel it. And feeling is measured in ways we cannot even understand and obviously we do try to take that time and learn and comprehend it you know that when it comes from within it's not hard to find or even to see how close of an impact you can make on someone just by being kind by offering things and by really putting in the work and creating that change whether on a local scale a national scale on a global scale so i think that it's pretty amazing how for your age not only do you want to take that step but it's like, hey, if I do wrong, correct me. Because who at 19, 20, 21 is going to tell anyone to correct themselves? I know who I am. Who are you to tell me? But the fact that you're like, hey, if I do something wrong, correct me. Why? Because it helps you grow. It helps you see things you didn't see. It gives you better judgment. It clears your, your perception of things that maybe you thought was better for someone, but maybe hampered someone. And by doing that, it, may, it allows you to move at a pace and at a rate that's far greater if you didn't take that accountability right and i think that's something that people could learn even for ourselves so my next question to you is even though you're running for campus council of utm it's only utm so technically people listening to this episode and listen to our podcast every single week probably a lot of them might go to ryerson they might go to mcmaster they might go to waterloo or some people might not be in school but they're going to listen to this conversation and try to realize the significance of what this conversation is about. So even though if someone doesn't go to UTM or university, why can they listen to you and take something from this conversation to better themselves and whatever aspect of their lives they're in right now? I hope that anyone listening, irrespective of what school you go to, whether or not you're in school, whether you're in the workforce, whether you're between jobs, whatever the case is, 
that you can take away that there's an impact to be had and there are always going to be problems that can be solved. There is an important role for you somewhere in your community. And there's always something that you can do to better not only the people around you, but yourself. There are many people and uh, many really a plethora of ways people can spend time that uh, may not necessarily be fruitful or bring them anything uh, uh, for lack of a better term, positive. Um, very easy to uh, find problems and complain. Complaining doesn't get anything done. Um, even easier to ignore problems, but the fact of the matter is we, as social beings, we live in a society where we we need to rely on, on one another and we need, we need people, we need leaders. We need people to get up and say, um, here are problems, I'm gonna listen to you, I'm gonna think of ways to solve this and I wanna work with you to better our community around us. And that may not necessarily be you, that doesn't mean you can't be impactful. There are, say you have an extra two, three hours in the week, go volunteer at your local food bank, right? Super necessary. Um, maybe you're in school and you really don't have the time for any anything else. Listen to podcasts like these, figure out how, when, when you do have the time for more, how you're going to spend that. Don't be the person that wastes potential. I am very confident most people are um, capable of a lot more than they exercise or that than they show. And a lot of it may just come down to uh, discipline. So if there's one thing to take away, be a little bit more disciplined. Sit down with yourself, figure out what your values are. And if you feel so inclined, try mm -hmm. to take time to help your community make a positive impact in whatever way that is. Yeah, I just want to add on to your point because you said something very eloquently. Talking about discipline, which is really always a narrative. <laughs> when we, it always ends off talking about discipline on, on this podcast. Um, why are you laughing, Mo? You know it's true. No, it's true. It's uh, we always talk um, about. It. Yeah, but all jokes aside. Yeah, I just want to say all jokes aside. Uh, because he said something about uh not being lazy, which resonated a couple people in my head about like working on themselves. A lot of people, like, how, if, if you don't mind asking, how old are you? 19. So you're 19 years old. And the one thing which I find really interesting is that you're allowing yourself to learn. So forget everything else you're doing is you're becoming, you're someone who's learning from people, even they, because like you just said about impact, like again, about impact, you don't need your education. You need no degree networking legit to just you. You gotta rely on yourself because I could tell you, I am working in a corporate position. I do have a lot of clients and I could tell you that it's who you know a lot of the times and like the if you're able to learn you're like you network yourself believe me while people are doing a five-step interview you're only doing one but to your point it's something i, just, I do want to say i do want to touch on the fact that you're a learner of the game this is an advice for everybody by the way including myself the fact that you have a learner of a game puts you way steps ahead because i remember when i was 19 i could tell you because i had a huge ego entering like first year which which by the way took me a long time to learn certain things. I can't only speak for myself, but the fact which, which I can say I admire and I can say I find inspirational about you that you're willing to learn. Like you don't take things as an ego. It's like, ah, oh, man, who is this guy 28 years old telling me, 30 years old telling me? Because a lot of people do have that attitude, right? But because you want to better yourself, this goes for everybody. If you want to better yourself, you want to learn from people. Like recently, 
I've been learning from people who, who are younger than me. Sometimes people will say stuff. I'm like, man, that's actually an amazing idea. And then I'll take the idea and like innovate and make it my own. I don't think it makes you less of a person because you can learn from a five-year-old. You can learn from a 20-year-old. Like sometimes a five-year-old will teach you something or say something because obviously kids are always honest and you'd be like, man, you like, you'll learn certain ideas. Like that's when they want to say it's such inspiring. So if you are listening to this podcast up to this point, if it's one thing I want you to learn about Ehab James, the fact that he's a learner of the game, like he's a student of the game. And one day the student can become the master. And one day that master is going to give back that wisdom that he has. And that's what I honestly like, I've been hearing you speak. Again, usually I'm not as uh, talk. Usually I am talkative, but usually, like if if I'm quiet, that means you've uh, done a great job to like put me in a zone. And I want to say that uh, listening to you is very inspirational. One, two, I think like you said, only time can tell whether you reach like prime minister. I know you're gonna do amazing things because of like your attitude, how disciplined you are. And yeah, I just want to say that. Thank you so much. It means a lot. <laughs> You're welcome, man. No, you're welcome. Honestly, like I've been listening, like I've been listening to you this whole time. I'm like, wow, I'm impressed. No, and just to add on what Osama said, like we were 19, we did not take. Obviously, we had goals, we had dreams, we had visions, and we're we're trying to put in the work. But as far as that discipline, that whole discipline, that is something that if you're not taught that, if you don't see that, you don't know how to measure it. And you don't see the benefits within it because from 18 to 22, it's like you're trying to find who you are. So you're attaching yourself to different things as far as different parts of different cultures. And obviously that's a transition within itself. But at the same time, you have to learn how to be disciplined and complacent as you're moving through things. But if you're always reactive in a way that's harmful, you lose out. But you're able to pace the race and be composed and see how you're transitioning for a good or a bad and make that turn and be decisive at the same time because number one, you are taking advice from those who've already been through it, so you're able to listen. Number two, you're able to measure it out, so you're able to be aware of your decisions. And number three, you're able to see the growth within yourself so you know that you are ascending into something that you weren't before if you didn't have that discipline. And to be that at 19 only shows what someone can do, like you said, 10 years from now, if you keep doing the exact same thing, as you continue to grow because if you do that i'll not only for benefits yourself but myself and osama as well because whether people like it or not we are a part of your story everyone's a part of your story i don't know which page of the book i'm on but i'm a part of your story and whether it's from afar or whether i tell you in person it's always cool to know that someone is doing the right thing the right way because as you said like Forget politics, whether there's good politicians or bad politicians, there's good and bad people as well. And the fact that you are trying to do good is something that we all must take from. Because if we don't, then who are we? Despite whether you're black, white, Muslim, Jewish, Hindu, it doesn't matter. Atheist, agnostic, everyone knows what's right, everyone knows what's wrong. So therefore, if we try to practice on that virtue alone, we could really create change. Because no one's the same, obviously. Canadians are not under one single type of religion or ideology or belief. It's multi-diverse. And like you said, you have to learn about the communities. You have to spend time in different communities. The fact that from the beginning, you just said your Pakistani background, it just threw me off because I did not think of that. I never even conceived that. So the fact that you have that background lets me know how well-versed you are in different parts of the world and communities and languages and cultures. And that's just a beauty within itself. So obviously, if you have that knowledge 
and you have that awareness, by all means, you have to put it to good use. You have to be in politics. Not even politics. You just have to be involved in the community. Why? Because if people are confused and looking for an answer because one person and another person are conflicting on something that wants to benefit their own cultures, by you being that person who's seen both, been exposed to both, and knows the answers, you have the answer. You have the foresight. You have the insight to make everyone be <clears throat> at peace. And when you do that, that's a... Uh, that's an incredible thing. So you don't, God doesn't give that to anyone. It's not given to anyone. It's picked. It's picked for a reason. So you definitely, definitely should never, ever forget why you are picked. Never, ever forget. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you so much. So I have a question. It's like my last question because Mo sparked an idea in my head. Um, we spoke about a couple things. One, discipline. And two, my next question, I'm going to talk about haters for a second. Not a lot of people could be under the umbrella of discipline really rare to be disciplined in all factors there's gonna be a lot of people who may not like trust you who may not believe in you right or may like start talking may spread start spreading rumors as obviously you know when you start getting more power more success there are going to be those people how are you going to like address this obviously you're not going to like care everybody's feelings but how are you with the discipline you have because sometimes people get a lot of hate they're there it starts going down they start feeling demotivated so how are you going to adjust to how you're going to adapt to that? That's a very good question. And I'll be honest with you, I can't speak from experience here <laughs> because I haven't, I have not run into that. <laughs> but what I can tell you is I'm very familiar with people, uh, politicians specifically, that are not liked. My boss is an excellent example. And irrespective, I see him get up every day. He's in the office before me. And by the time I leave, he's still there. Uh, he'll get in by seven and he'll leave somewhere by nine. And that's incredible because he doesn't need to work those hours. Um, he does a lot and he, he faces a lot of hate for it. What I've learned from that and from uh, others is... Um, you're never going to be liked by 100% ever. And many will hate you for the wrong reasons. And frankly, a lot of people dislike my boss for the wrong reasons. And that's okay. Many will dislike him because they don't like policy. Totally fair. And you know what? That's that's democracy. And that's a principle that we need to uphold and look forward to, not be afraid of or put down. People are never going to agree with 100% of what you do, let alone 50%. In fact, people will dislike... Um, a lot of times people just, just, just dislike change, and that's that's a fact of uh, being human. Now, while I hope it isn't the case that people will um, decide it's more important to put down the representative than propose better ideas, uh, I'm acutely aware of the fact that that may happen, whether or not in this position or in the future. And... That's something you really need to be prepared for, especially in this space, um, that you will have critics. And a lot of the times it's it's worth listening to because people, for some reason or another, they have something that is bothering them and there's usually a problem to be addressed. And having critics or having those um, uh, views being, um, say, posed toward you is a good sign that there's maybe something that you could change or maybe some listing that has to be done or conversations you need to have. 
So my answer to the question would be in the future, yes. If, if I were to face this, then I would be I would be looking forward to having conversations with uh, disgruntled constituents or whoever it may be and figuring out what the root of these problems are. It's very difficult to make 100% happy, but you can come close. And um, there's an effort to be made, for sure. My final question to you is, and I love the answer, how you talked about your boss and how he's not liked for a lot of the things that he might do. But regardless, it's democracy. So knowing democracy, everyone has an option to share their opinion. Everyone has an option to vote for someone other than your boss. But you see the work that he puts in. So whether people make videos or comments about him, it doesn't impact you or affect you because you know the change that he's putting in, not only by himself, but with his crew. Obviously, you being involved in it. When it comes to politics, because from the outside looking in, everyone wants to give an opinion as far as politicians doing this and that. But for a politician alone, we only see them on TV, in the newspapers, on the radio, and the public. Private-wise, we don't have that, we don't gain an insight into a politician's life until they probably retire and release a book or a movie. And for the most part, we know that it's a very strenuous job. We know it's a job that takes a toll on their life, their family's life as well, which we do not take for or even consider as public and people in society. And it's a lot. So I always wonder, and I want to know, especially from you having insight, and even with yourself as well, how do politicians deal with all that stress that they have to go through on a daily basis and also occasionally period-wise when it comes times for elections and stuff like that? How does a politician find peace in such a job that only gives little of it? That is a, a very good and a very big question. Um, I would say the best response I have for that is um, for my boss, he's he's very proud of the work that he does. And he's made it routine to surround himself with a very good team of people, people that he has confidence in and can account, can uh, are accountable, really responsible. Knowing that you're surrounded and your people have your back, that you're making a positive change and you're fulfilling the duties of your job in the best way possible with all the information you have. I I wouldn't know exactly how he finds peace, whether or not he finds peace, frankly, but I do know that he's proud of the work he does and for good reason because it's important work. It's very challenging. And in every aspect of his life, it, it it encroaches on that. You're absolutely right. There's a very, very high toll it takes, especially in that position. But knowing that you're working for the better of the betterment of Canada, the betterment of Canadians, and that you'll leave a legacy of uh, having a positive impact, that is, that's something I think uh, you can seek a lot of comfort in. And for me love your answer once again. It's all about knowing that whether you live to see it or you don't live to see it, like you said, it's the legacy. And that might come through your kids. It might come through a book, through generations, or it might come through stories of people just sharing information in different parts of the world. You never know. You never know where you're going to leave your imprints. You never know how it's going to happen. 
that manifestation is only in the hands of God or whatever you believe in. But the point is, as long as you do the work, it will happen within time. As it does for most people that are genuine, honest, and want to do the best for society. And for me, this conversation alone is beautiful because as I look back to when I was 19 and I was so motivated, full of vision, and had all these dreams and insights, if I was to go back and tell myself, <laughs> hey man, like you had to go through that to become this person. But if there's one thing I would change is to really take a step back and reflect a little bit more before I'm making that next step. Because to go at such a pace, you don't know what consequences might come your way and how you might receive it. And the fact that you said, once again, the fearlessness, knowing that you have no fear because you know what's at stake and you're willing to take on that role and that sacrifice, it's commendable because no one wants to do it. Like you said, 15,000 people at UTM, seven seats, two are available and no one wants to take up that challenge nobody wants to take up that role nobody wants to take up that initiative but you're willing to do that and you understand that it's going to be beautiful days as far as the sun and terrible days as far as the storm but you're willing to weather it out and for that we commend you we honestly do commend you and it's a beautiful example it's a beautiful template that we all want to follow and I think others will follow as far as those being close to your age, younger, or even older. And before we end this, please, you have to give a piece of advice for someone, anyone that's looking to have impact without having the prime in the title. What advice could you give to someone that's looking to have impact or doesn't know they have impact, but they don't need prime in that title? Who they are, it's already good enough. Figure out what it is you need to do to get to a point in your life where you can bring change or make a positive change and you don't need recognition to feel it. And with that, we'd like to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And before we end it, please share your social media one more time so those who want to listen get advice, email you, or just have more information regarding Campus Council at UTM or just projects and initiatives that you have going on, they could definitely reach out to you. For sure. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at ehab. That's E-H-A-B underscore James, J-A-M-E-S. Uh, that's my full name. You can find me on LinkedIn too. I do have my emails on both. Uh, please feel free to reach out. You guys thought we were done? I don't think so. We still got to wrap it up. Please follow me at Kusa300. Follow my co-host Muhammad at Muhammad.Global. Make sure to follow our page at Instagram. Also, make sure to subscribe to all our platforms. We drop every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Thank you. We'll see you next week.